Hey guys, this is Crazy Juicy Love Entrepreneurial Series. I'm going to be talking with top CEOs, creators, top entrepreneurs, and they're going to be sharing their mistakes, tools, tips, and insights to get you to get out of your bed and have a career that you love. This is Crazy Juicy Love Entrepreneurial Series. All right, guys, welcome to the Crazy to See Love Entrepreneur Series. I have a very, very special guest. Um, her name is Paven Carter. She is the owner of Paven Carter Photography. How you Yay. doing, girl? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Thank you for having me on your show. Uh, thank you for being here. <laughs> So tell me about Paven Carter Photography. Like, what has you become a photographer? Like, why did you why did you make this as your business? Because you know, I'm a fan. Thank you. And, um, I just had to bring you on just to like inspire other people who may be future photographers and see what lessons that they can learn from you and your endeavors and um, and also inspire couples and see like mistakes to do what to not to do and stuff like that so yeah tell me about Paven Carter photography well Paven Carter photography I started as a photographer when I was 13 years old my father gave me my first camera that he had from when he was in the service in Germany hmm. and, and I've always been into art my family's always pushed arts and music and I used to really paint and draw a lot when I was a kid and peruse through art books and um, magazines. And I was so like, I'm going to be an artist. Like I knew that at an early age that I was going to be an artist. And as I was looking through a lot of the art books, you know, way back when, because um, I grew up in the 70s, I noticed that most of the artists that I admired were dead. You know, they were white men and they were dead. And then I started looking at magazines on fashion and photography. And it was this one photographer mm. that really struck my my eye. And I was like, I like photography. And most of the photographers that I had saw or studied were still alive. So that little kid brain like, nope, I don't want to do art because most of the famous artists are dead. I could be famous as a photographer. So I <laughs> <laughs> taking <them> off. <laughs> So, um, and I got a lot of support because um, one thing that I noticed as, I, as I've gotten older, and there's a lot of more black female photographers on the scene, when I was coming up, there really wasn't any. So that was like an oddity. So number one, my name was Paven, and then number two, I was a, a black female photographer. So I really, really got passionate about it in junior high school, and I had a teacher who pushed me into going to the High School of Art and Design. So I got into the High School of Art and Design. I'm from the Bronx and you know I traveled into the city and fell in love with the city, fell in love with arts, fell in love with everything that had to do with New York and the art scene back in the 70s and the 80s. Mm. Um, and just you know, from that, I did a lot of freelance work. Um, I was a photo assistant for a lot of people. I worked at Macy's in their catalog studio. I did a lot of catalog work, so. Wow. didn't you know, know that, but not a lot. Yeah, <laughs> even though I was trained as a fine art photographer, mm -hmm. I 
the, the jobs that I could get were studio catalog work. And so, yeah, I did freelancing for about 15 years. And then I started having um, my babies. I have three sons. Mm-hmm. And um, I did freelance work um, for Macy's, um, for Kmart, for um, Nostrums, just a lot of different catalog work. But it wasn't really, you know, fueling me because it was, you know, so commercial. And then I started doing some other things. Like I had um, someone recruit me to do a high school recruitment book for your college. And I started taking pictures of people, which for me was pretty hard because I was really shy. I'm really a shy person by nature. So, um, really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've never known that. And, you know, with a lot, I would say, you know, due to the work that I've done in Landmark and just like getting outside of my comfort zone. Um, yeah, but pretty much I'm like really a shy person. Like it, it takes a lot for me to, to be with people. And mm. I was like, oh, wow, I would never know that. And it's like, yeah, it's that's the practice that you do. You that's, in- that's interesting. So how, how does that affect you as a photographer? Because it's like... You know, when I look at some of your photos, like it seems that people are, I mean, I've worked with you and maybe maybe because we have a relatedness, it just seems so like you're so free and being at ease, very quick, very like uh, structured, very, you know, the shots. And it's like, so how, how does that work? Like you say, you're a very shy person, but how does that work when you're starting to work with a new client? Well, <clears throat> One of the things that um, I used to talk about, and I'll say this for anybody who's out there that, um, you know, struggles with being around people or speaking up or having conversations, you know, I would use my camera as that go between me and the client. So as long as I was holding the camera or behind the camera, I was good. And my photography has evolved over the years because Um, If you look at some of my photography, like way back when, it's a lot of candidates. It's a lot of catching people in the moment and they're not even knowing that I'm there. And that's what people used to speak about. They was like, I love your work because it's like, you're not there. I had no idea that you were there taking that photo. Mm. And what ended up happening, I started um, transferring that into weddings, right? Because I needed to make money. So I found out that especially when uh, photography went digital, it was easier for me to do wedding photography because that when it was with film, it was too much. It was just like that one shot. If you didn't get it, you're dead. So um, <laughs> when this round, I started doing more weddings and I found out that I didn't really have to talk to people. Like I would be like, okay, I'm going to show up. I'm going to shoot your wedding. And people would love the pictures because it was as if I was a voyager, you know, looking at these people and capturing them in these moments that they didn't think anybody else was, um, looking at them right Mm -hmm. and made a really good career out of shooting like that so once again i'm gonna bring landmark up so when i um started doing landmark and having to actually be with people and you know be in a leadership program where i actually had to connect with people that took my photography into a different level because Mm -hmm. now i'm able to be with people and really get a sense of who they are and then actually capture their essence of who they are in the photographs. Mm. And what does that look like? You know, because I know, especially if someone who's, let's say, for a wedding, 
you know, like because like somebody you who's new who's working uh, like hiring for a wedding versus someone like me who have like gotten to know you over the years. It's like how, as a photographer, because I know I've done photography too, and I've mm-hmm. done it with people who I know and I don't know, because sometimes it can be difficult to work yeah. with people who you don't know. But it, it takes something to say to someone you don't know what you like or don't like, how to direct. I guess mostly it's something that you sort of establish trust it's like you're leading to them Um, so how do you establish that sort of trust with someone you just met and who hired you well luckily like recently I've been shooting for people who I know they've been coming to me Mm -hmm. I have a client that I don't know which is always you know that's like the biggest scare for me like oh my god I don't know this person I meet them I got to talk to them I got to come up with stuff and I think what's happened with me naturally as I especially as I've grown older and more comfortable with who I am and not trying to be anything other than who I am and I'm just like you know what I'm just going to be me Mm. start to flow and people you know start telling which I found surprising too like people just start telling me about themselves I don't even have to ask they just start Mm -hmm. remember saying this to a friend one day because I was like I don't know why people just come up to me and just start talking to me about their story, their life, about what's going on. Like I could just be standing on a street corner and somebody will just start asking me questions like, oh, do you know how to get to such and such a place? And then next thing you know, we're having a whole conversation about something else, which once again, for me being a shy person, that's so odd. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, this friend had to tell me, tell me, he's like, look, you just have to be with that's who you are. You draw that type of you know, energy to people, you draw people to you. And I was like, oh yeah. So once I let go of like thinking of how I had to be a certain way, especially in photography, because it's always been a male dominant field. Mm-hmm. And then once I started saying, well, you know what, if I'm just being who I am and just relax with just, you know what, this is Paven, this is who Paven is, you know, people just naturally just talk to me and just give me all the goods that mm-hmm. need to know about them. Right. So then therefore you have all the information you need to know in order to work and to work mm-hmm. with them and work around them. Yes. Um, and yeah, I really, really, really love that. I'm just so I am um, so I'm curious of like guess getting to weddings. So mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, I've shot one wedding. It was a, it was <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> but I mean I look at your like I'm like I was looking at your website, I was like, oh like I really love a lot of the pictures. So that'll, I'm just curious of like, you know, I have a lot of friends who are on a budget and like looking for photographers. So it's like, like if a couple is looking for a photographer, like what are some do's and don'ts, some things like to like start to look for when they're looking for a photographer? Because it's, it's so important, especially, uh, I think in this digital world, anybody and everybody can call themselves yeah. a, a photographer. And I know I was an article recently on Apple. They're really spending more money, more time in investing this time around on the iPhone camera. So now we got cameras on phones that are doing like exceptional work. Yeah. Um, and uh, before you get into that, I remember mm-hmm. when I was in Nashville with a friend of mine, 
and she hires this photographer and this photographer is super expensive i think they did their wedding too and they they had a son and they were doing um uh i think the first year pictures with the son and like at this at the photographer's house and this woman literally had a camera almost the size of an iphone but a little bit more uh, expensive. I think it was like a thousand dollars. I can't remember what she said. And she lit. It was like she literally was not looking in the back of the camera. She was basically talking to me, telling them to focus in the camera. And she just clicking, 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 yeah. clicking, clicking, clicking. And she charged him like almost twelve hundred dollars. I was like, wow. So like, so how <laughs> couples or people should when they first start looking for a photographer? Like, what are some things that they should be looking for or when they look for you? Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because a few years ago when I was shooting weddings and, you know, I have a distinct look around my weddings, right? Mm -hmm. So what started to happen, I would set up a shot. This is when I started setting up shots because before it was all just like capturing in the moment, like I was a photojournalist journalist like nobody knew I was there mm-hmm. wedding like that so I think a couple had, had approached me and they wanted both they said we like the candidates but we also want some traditional shots right so then I had to learn how to do that which also got me out of my comfort zone with actually having to be with people and pose people and set up shots actor mm-hmm. so when I started doing that I noticed that people were taking their iPhones they were taking the pictures and by the time the wedding was over and I got home I would go on Facebook and I would see the picture that I set up <laughs> that other people <laughs> with their cell phones. Mm-hmm. I was like livid. Mm-hmm. So a couple of times I I started strategically putting myself in people in front of people's cameras as they were shooting and I'm shooting and I would just make myself so large that they couldn't get it. Like I would always be in their shot. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing about like the new digital cameras that are coming out. And one thing I can say about it is that, yes, these cameras are getting better and better, but there's still something about what you can do with a, um, a DSLR, right? Um, yes, a camera phone, like especially the Samsung um, phones are really great. I know. You can't capture, like you can't capture um, movement, right? Or if I want to purposely blur something or if I want to get very artistic with it, yeah, you could throw on some filters and stuff, but it's still nothing like using a DSLR to capture, you know, these moments. And they're mm-hmm. getting with the camera phones, but they're still not there. So I still got time, thank goodness. Right. Um, as far as people, um, and this is what I tell my clients when I first meet them, right? Your wedding is one day, right? Your marriage, hopefully, is going to last a lifetime. You could spend money on DJs, food, cake, flowers, all of that stuff. That stuff is going to be gone at the end of the day. I'm capturing moments and memories that will last a lifetime. Mm. And I got this the other day. I was at a um, women's conference yesterday and we were talking about um, our businesses and Sometimes I really have to get and acknowledge that that moment in time that I'm capturing, you know, that's for history. That's not just for them. That's for their children, their children's children. And I got also being a black photographer, like way back when 
there weren't really a lot of black photographers or you had to have a lot of money in order to photograph your family. There was a famous photographer in Harlem called um, Van Zier. And um, if you had money, you lived in Harlem, that's where you got your portraits taken. And these pictures are coming out now from the 40s and 50s that he took that are amazing, that are in, um, you know, the Museum of Harlem right now. Mm -hmm. Looking at it like that. And so when I'm talking to my clients, it's like, yeah, you can you can spend just a little bit of money to get some pictures done. And that's what it is. It's a picture. Right. Or you can make that investment on something that's going to last a lifetime. This is your history. This is your family's history. Mm -hmm. So once I have that conversation with them, then that's when they get the investment is more important than, you know, the DJ, the cake and all of that. Because that stuff, you know, that's for one day. It doesn't last. Yeah. I mean, you know, it really comes down like, you know, any photographer out there, it's like... It really, uh, well, there was a photographer that I studied with online. His name is um, Sal Sankata. And he mm. talked about this too. He was like, you know, it really comes down to your artistic, you, like, you have to be creating while you're in the camera. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to have a vision. Right. And, uh, and a distinct look. Um, because anybody can shoot a setup, you know, hands here, look here, look there. But, you know, your style is critically important because it sets you apart from other people because nobody can really capture your style, copy your style. Right. And, um, yeah. And you like, have to own your style because I did um, some work a few years ago where, like, I have friends or people who, who know my work, so to speak, and they'd be mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's a pavement. That's a pavement. And it was crazy because... I kind of got annoyed that people were saying that because I was still in a transition from where I was to where I wanted to go, right? Mm -hmm. I'm seeing all these amazing photographers and like right now I shoot weddings, but I'm more interested in shooting portraits of people. Mm -hmm. And that's always been like in the background of what I've always wanted to do, but I was always afraid to be one-on-one -on -one with people, right? Mm -hmm. so that's over. Like my main... Um, goal and vision is because I remember one time uh, I don't know this had to be about 20 or 30 years ago I was like I I want to photograph Oprah right like that's mm -hmm. one of my goals mm -hmm. like, right <laughs> and that's a portrait right mm -hmm. so, not a quick grab not a quick shot but just getting the essence of who Oprah is right so I started people started saying oh that's a paving that's a paving and it's because I'm evolving I got annoyed with it so I started changing up my style I started looking at other photographers and how they were shooting and I knew that they were making money off of the way that they were shooting so I started shooting like that <clears throat> and one of my clients when they got their book they was like I don't like this and I'm like what they was like that's not a paving <laughs> <laughs> I was like but I spent like months and money and doing classes because I wanted to elevate my work. And they was just like, why well, I hired you because of the way that you shoot. And I was like, oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. So I'm evolving, but I'm also keeping my style intact. Right. So yes, you do have to have a, a distinct, because there's so many photographers out here now 
And at one point I was getting discouraged because, I mean, I've had a love of photography for over, you know, 30 something years, mm-hmm. right? Maybe more than that. Like I just love photography. And now I'm seeing a lot of people who have these devices and phones or whatever. Some people even have an iPad and they're creating like amazing photographs, right? And and images. So the next thing that's um, coming up in this world of photography and what I'm really interested in is like, yeah, everybody has their photos or their images on their phones and their computer now it's time to go back to a day when we were actually printing and you had something tangible. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that I'm really um, pushing my clients to do is like, look, you want to have this on your wall because it makes no difference if it's on your computer. Right. Your computer can crash. You can lose all of your, your history. So let's make some albums. Let's make some books. Let's put this shit on the wall. Excuse me. Let's put these images. You can curse, girl. Let it out. Oh, okay. On the wall. On the wall. Yes. Get that shit out. (laughs) And frame it and, and, and show like the beauty of your family or, or you. Mm -hmm. The things that, you know, I, I know you're familiar with is my, um, desire to empower women to see themselves beautiful. So I do boudoir photos of women. And that started, I was telling somebody, um, I started that when I was 17 years old of taking pictures of myself, you know, cause I would see, um, and this is full disclosure. My father had Playboy magazines in the attic. And one day I, I stumbled across them. I was like, wow, look at these beautiful women. <laughs> I want to shoot women like this, like, you know, showing their bodies, being happy, being proud, Nothing shameful about it, you know? So I started shooting pictures of myself, self-portraits from the time that I was 17. And then I started saying, well, you know what? I want to have other women feel comfortable and beautiful and empowered by their body. Mm. And I started doing, you know, boudoir and the milk bath photos. Um, Really interested in people having these images and putting them on the wall like a a work of art. I love that. I want to get into that later, but I'm going to keep up. But I really love what you're saying, like, especially uh, with the style. But um, I mean, I'm curious. Okay, so like, take me through a process of like, like, say, you know, I'm getting married and I'm interested in hiring you. Like, what is that process like and what type of questions are important that you ask and what kind of questions are you think people should be asking on a a meet and greet with a, a potential photographer or a potential client? Um, yeah, so what I usually do is first of all, um, find a really nice place. I don't have a home studio anymore. I used to have a home studio. <clears throat> meet me at my home studio. So now I find a like a sexy or really nice hotel lobby, sit down um, and just ask them like, what? First of all, what had the two of you come together? Like, why are you two getting married? Mm. Almost like, you know, not like I'm a pastor or a therapist or anything, but I really want to get a sense of who these two people are, right? So when I'm capturing them, I know who I'm taking a photo of, not some random person. Like, I really want to get to know who you are. Are you looking for the essences that makes them who they are? Yeah, individually and as a couple. Right. So I'll ask them, you know, what's their favorite song, what colors they like, 
Um, once again, like, where did the two of you meet? Like, why? What had you fall in love with this person? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite favorite thing about him or her? And what ends up happening is that they start um, getting comfortable with me, and like, we're friends, right? Mm-hmm. It's the first thing to just have them disengage or take away the like, this is business. We got to come in here, and we got to find. <laughs> Right. So it's really getting them comfortable with me, getting related and becoming friends in the moment. Mm-hmm. They trust because that's the, the biggest thing about shooting a wedding is that you have to trust your photographer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's it is that trust important because especially if you're doing if most most likely they probably hire you to do their engagement photos and mostly mm-hmm. most engagement photos are very intimate, very personal versus yeah. wedding because you're spending alone time with him and like yes. having them being basically intimate in front of you while you capture it. Exactly. So there's a, a high level of trust and even on the wedding day what ends up happening. I, and I'm very, you know, straight with the bride because it's usually the bride that... <laughs> <laughs> I have to go through some things like I had this one bride who was like running late and I said to her before um, the actual wedding I said look more than likely I said I'm not saying that this is going to happen with you I said but a lot of times things come up and the bride is late I said I need you to just be okay with you're getting dressed you're getting beautiful don't worry about anything right and I just like look her in the eye and say I got you Right. And be on time. Yeah. Well, sometimes they're not on time. Sometimes things come up. Sometimes they can't get that garter belt on right. Or they can't get the towel on or the makeup artist is not. And the only reason why I say be on time, because I was, uh, had a friend of mine who was a photographer and he had planned this whole thing out. Uh, this couple's engagement. They were, he's going to capture the sunset. He's going to like this whole thing. And the bride was an hour, the, the girl was an hour late. And so yeah. his whole setup was like ruined because he's not a night photographer. So he had to use these like big harsh lights and that wasn't his plan because they all agreed to have this like sunset and she was down the street at a bar getting drunk, you know? And so, it- yeah. And, and this is what I'm learning, right? So this is, this separates the real deal photographers from the person, the people who are like, you know, just starting out or, you know, still learning. And I just saw something in a photo group that I'm in and that happened. They had planned a sunset, right? And there was a accident on the highway. So the couple was late. So what he had to do was do nighttime photos, right? And so we're always in this practice of, you know, how to get the shot that you want. And if that doesn't work what's your plan b so they always have right. plan b yeah right. and that's yeah that's really great because shit happens yeah because especially if you're doing outside photos yeah. you right. have to always have a plan b right plan b for location <laughs> this is like the this because anything can happen anything can happen right. i remember i know this isn't photography but i remember doing a film when i was an actor and all, this is also for photographers like always do your research on your locations mm-hmm. if yep. you need permits if you need some kind of special permission because this guy had us meet at this shoot in Brooklyn it was Dumbo at the time Dumbo uh-huh. and he didn't know that first of all he never visited a site he just uh, picked the site 
and the Dumbo Park was under construction. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was like fenced off. And he was like, let's hop the gate. And I was just like, I was like, what? There's like signs all around that says no trespassing. And here we are illegally on this property. That and sounds then, like fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun in the moment. We had to go and, they were, and the guy, and also he didn't have any shots set up. He was like trying to improv. Like, you can't be doing that as a photographer. You ask, like for me, and when I was doing photography, I always set up a vision board. At least I have something to fall back on so I'm not wasting my mm-hmm. time and that person's time. Because I, I, for me, as a photographer, when I did photography, I, I think it's important to always have some sort of vision board or vision of your own and what the client wants too. So it can just right. help the flow go much faster. And you're not sitting there like guessing what to do. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you say that because I do both things. I'm kind of like the shoot at the hip type of person because I'm very free flow and creative. And that's one of the things that had me um, not stay in the Macy's catalog where I could have made a lot of money and became a mm-hmm. studio manager or something like that. And because, um, and I always tell this story, like I, I got um, left with shooting shoes. So all the white boys were shooting all the fashion and all of this stuff. So me and it was only this one other um, female photographer. She was this um, Jewish woman and we were like thick as thieves. And they always had to shoot shoes because that's the worst thing, like the plainest thing that you could shoot, right? And it was the men's shoes. It wasn't even the women's shoes. So we got stuck with the men's <laughs> shoes. And I was busting my butt for months, you know, shooting this stuff. And this was once again back in film. So you would shoot, you would have to develop the film, you'd have to get it to the um, production people who would put it in the catalog. And sometimes we would spend hours trying to make sure these shoes look perfect. The lighting, I'm on an F train going home one day and I happen to see this lady across from me looking at a Macy's catalog and she's skimming through it, skimming through it, skimming through it. And she just took it, balled it up and threw it in the, on the ground. And that broke my heart. I was just like, Oh my God, like, what am I doing? Why am I doing catalog work? This is not creative. This is not this. So, once I broke out of that, it's like, for me, it's always about that free form. Sometimes I will have a storyboard and sometimes I'm just, I'll just show up and just be like, look at the environment and say, come on, let's do this. And mm. just with different things. Because for me, creatively, that works for me. Mm. Even if I have a storyboard, I'm probably going to do something different. Yeah, like I, 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 just, I find that for me, like having a loose storyboard or a storyboard period gives me more freedom. Right. Um, to create. Because exactly. I've already built the image in my mind caring to what was important to that person. So I'm in that flow because of the work I've done prior to create, uh, doing the shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now that you like, okay, so you talked to the couple, got an essence, the essence of who they are. You got a, like a vision board. So like, you know, talk to me like the day of the shoot. Like how do you prepare them for the shoot and what is that experience like of them like specifically in, in an engagement setting like how how does how, do, how does that work? take me through well, that how does that work right so one of the other things that i do um with the couple before the wedding is also find out who the point person is mm-hmm. at weddings where um 
the day of, like the bride will promise me, like, I'm going to give you a shot list. I'm going to give you this. You're going to know all the shots I want to take. And sometimes that gets dropped. So I always tell her, I was like, I need to know the point person, the person who knows you well, besides the event planner, that they can tell me, you know, who's the closest to you. Because sometimes like in the moment, you're not going to remember, you know, (laughs) Betty or aunt so-and-so. And And then afterwards, like, oh my God, you didn't get a picture of this person or that person. So one of the other things is like, I need who your go-to person is, right? So thing happens, I know that that's the person that has your back or has my back, right? Um, also like, uh, the wedding party, like how many people are in the wedding party? Um, what's once again, what are you guys up to? Um, are you guys going to have, you know, a party before the wedding? Please don't get drunk. Don't please don't show up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And that's through experience because I've done stuff like when I wasn't speaking up because I was too shy. I would just go with it, you know, but I realized it was like, that doesn't work, you know? Mm-hmm. I've had some that, you know, some of the grooms were kind of like, you know, you know, I would want to put them in a headlock, but I, I created, and that's the other thing, because I created that relationship with them beforehand, there were certain things I was able to say, like, cut that shit out, you know? And <laughs> because it would be like, yo, dude, like, like, what the fuck are you doing? I need to take this shot, cut it out. And then they would straighten up. So, um, yeah, my whole thing, like before the wedding, is just making sure you get related to them and have a shot list um, details that they they really, really, really want. Like if there's something special, um, you know, if there's a, a family member that they want to make sure that they they're in that group, or if they want something formal. Because I have people who just like you know, I don't want the traditional. We're standing up this way, and everybody's taking a picture and smiling. You mm-hmm. know. I, Thing fun, so I always get a sense of who the couple is if they're going to be fun or if they're going to be like traditional, and then also with their families because I also, you know, meet up with um, the family at the rehearsal dinner. So that's important too to meet with the wedding party at the rehearsal dinner. So this, mm. you know, and I have a conversation with everybody at the rehearsal dinner too. Like, look, I'm going to be, you know, photographing your wedding. Here's my assistant, my second shooter. Um, please pay attention. If I put my finger up, that means I need you to look at me and look at the camera. Um, you know, if there's something that you want, let me know ahead of time, but mostly just like pay attention to what I'm doing and, um, please follow the directions that I'm asking you to do. And this just makes things so much easier. Mm. What are some, what are some of the common mistakes you see? (laughs) Like couples don't do or take the initiative of, when they're working with you or just in general that you've heard? Well, what I hear, I, I and I'm surprised that some wedding photographers just show up at the wedding and, and do not have a relationship with the bride and groom. Or mm. with the yeah, I think that's a big mistake. I've, I've done that. I've shown up like somebody's hired me and I just went there on the spot and didn't know who to like a friend of mine had called me and she couldn't shoot this wedding. And it wasn't it wasn't paying a lot. So I would never do that again either. So she was like, look, I can't, you know, make it to this wedding, you know, it's $600. Can you do it? And I was like, yeah, sure. And it was a small church wedding, but I didn't know the people there. And I showed up and, you know, I took some great pictures, but then it was kind of like, I don't know these people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They did ask me, there were some things that they had wanted, like, oh, you know, we thought you was going to take this and that. And I was like, well, I didn't have a list of, and that's, that's the biggest mistake 
not having a shot list or the desires that they want um, mm. you to capture. Um, another thing is being overconfident. Um, another thing like, you know, oh, I got this. I got this. I know what I'm doing, right? Mm. I'm always in a, a space of, a friend of mine was asking me, there's like many weddings as you shot, why are you always nervous? Because I always get nervous before a wedding. So my first thing is like, I don't want to fuck it up, right? That's the first thing. And because of digital, because I've had experiences when I shot film where, yeah, I fucked up. So now I was like, I'll never shoot a wedding again. But now with digital, you know, you can correct mistakes um, easily. Now I did have a, a assistant one time was shooting with me. And at the reception, I was getting all happy because I got all these great shots and I was showing him my camera and he pressed the erase button and, and um, formatted my card. And talk about somebody who was getting ready to have a fight. Because <laughs> I was like, why would you do that? And I was able to recover the, the photographs. But yeah, like not having a backup camera, um, making sure the person that is shooting with you is um, close to the level that you are because you don't have time mm. somebody at a wedding. And I've done that too. I've made that mistake of like, oh, because I didn't want to pay a lot of money. Right. It's like, oh, I'll just get somebody. I'll just get so-and-so to second shoot for me because I know that person knows how to shoot. But then you're still training them on the job and that doesn't work because you need yeah. that, you know, knows what the hell they're doing. And I think it's important too to have that person sort of almost know your style because if they're totally different from where you're shooting, right. then it's like, how do you match yep. the, the I had that too. And I had, like, I was a second shooter because that's that's why I really got into it. I would second shoot for um, a friend of mine that was a wedding photographer, right? And when people started saying that they liked my images more than his, of course, you know, there was a little jealousy behind that. So he <laughs> he would say stuff. It was so funny. But we put this book together and you could clearly see the difference between my images and his images. His was like full blast flash, you know, mine's were more soft and artistic. And then you try to put those two together and the book, you know, look kind of odd. Mm. Wow. Um... So let's get into like, you know, uh, about your women's photography, like, you know, you mentioned earlier about uh, photographing yourself, getting inspired by Playboy magazine. (laughs) Yes. You know, um, (laughs) so like, why is that important to you and, and, and this current time and age or is the current time and age has an influence on the current photography with women? Well, I, um, <clears throat> when I look back, I never really had an issue with um, being sexy, being sensual, and, you know, loving my body in, you know, certain ways. And of course, all women have something about their bodies. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't care, the most beautiful woman will still have something about their bodies. And that saying that I don't, of course I do, but I use photography to, as a way to empower me to say, wow, you know what? You're pretty good. You're beautiful. Like, look at <laughs> that butt muscle or and know how to the flaws that we don't want to see. I still know how to capture that in such a way that it's not like glaring to you like a stretch mark. Like, oh, my God, look at my stretch mark. 
Mm -hmm. When I started looking at that and seeing how it made me feel once I saw, you know, my photographs and I started taking pictures of my friends, you know, and the response that I was getting, like they had no idea how this was going to make them feel afterwards. Of course, everybody is nervous, right? And I, and I would tell some of my girlfriends too, when I speak about like some of the work that we've done and I would tell them, I was like, you know, I was really nervous. And he was like, really? You were nervous? I'm like, yeah. I said, because number one, I don't want anybody to think that, you know, because when I was younger, I, I used to think people would think I was weird. Like, oh, can I take new pictures of you? <laughs> you know, because I would just be <laughs> staring at women like, can I take some new pictures of you? Like, what's wrong with you? So I always had that thing like people would think there was something was wrong with me, right? So once I, I let go of that and we would have this conversation and I would just like, no, because I, I see what I'm looking at right now. When I see you, I see such, you know, beauty and I see like the sensuality. And a lot of times women don't even know that they're doing that. So a lot of things like what I do is I watch. I watch a lot of people. And I told somebody this one day, I said, you know, people used to say how quiet I am. And I was like, yeah, I said, because I'm looking, I'm watching, you know, I'm studying, I'm studying like facial movements. I'm studying the way people you know, move their bodies and, you know, especially women. And I'm always wanting to capture that. Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, it was just like this, this thing that I have this real strong desire that I have for women to really own their beauty and their sensuality. And the whole thing about being sexy, especially around, you know, the Me Too movement. Um, I don't know. I, I still think that there's a place for women to just own their beauty and their sexiness and not have anything about it, you know? Right. I mean, especially I know we um, have a common book that, we, um, that I'm reading right now called The Pussy Book, yes. the Pussy, yeah. uh, Pussy the Reclamation. And I guess I think every man should or every man, every woman should read this book because it's really opened my eyes of like, like first of all the word is how the reaction to the word and, oh yeah yeah and, um and then and, and it's so funny because you could say pussycat and nobody would like flinch but as soon as you just say pussy, pussy. right you know <laughs> I, I even mentioned that because i was i bought the book from my mom and uh -huh. i remember being on the phone with her i don't know if i told you this and um i was like so mom i want to buy you this book for your birthday but i'm not sure how you're gonna react because the last time i bought her something she open it up at her workplace and she's like um and she is oh, i gotta go there right now but but i knew i don't know why i knew she's gonna open this book this whatever regardless if i ask her or not she's gonna do it anyway and then the people on her job you know when she opened the package and she was and people like it was either two reactions People were like, oh, why would he get you that? And then they were uh -huh. like, oh, yeah. Like, well, I wish my son would get me that, you know. And, right. um, and you know, uh, the book actually reminds me of a, and I'm, 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 I'm sure or not sure, it's probably didn't come out before this episode of Sex in the City, uh, where they had, uh, they're all outside, I think on a vacation or somewhere or, or the movie. I can't remember which was, which came first. We were talking to Charlotte, and she had never looked at her vagina. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. They yeah. were all shocked, and they was like, yeah. you, know, "You have to have a relationship with it," and all the shame around the word. And I can see, like, you know, like even when I was, remember I was photographing um, my friend, 
her headshots and I was trying to capture this like uh she's very beautiful and, and like and I was like the way she dressed I was just like you're all covered up like I was curious like you like even when I try to even say the word sexy uh-huh. <laughs> like it, it was a reaction it, yeah it was just like a wall and I was just like I was like what's going on like like she's like oh like she didn't even want to smile that's what it was Mm-hmm. And I was like, you have a beautiful smile. She had this whole thing about her smile, this whole thing about her body. And it's like, you know, wow, like how it became a lot more clearer from this book of like the pussy book where a lot of women have this um, shame. I'm just going to use the word yeah. shame about yeah. their sexual shame. sexuality from society, from People from always constantly putting each other down, women putting each other down, men putting yeah. it's like it's all this uh, shame, pitting towards or thrown towards women. And I can see it in when you photograph, when I photograph women of like this sort of like restraint. Right. Um, so, like, how do you like uh, deal with that when you're photographing women to get them to open up, especially, you know, in a boudoir setting, like, how do you deal with women's constraint, constraints? Uh, well, I had to deal with my own first. Yeah. Right? Because um, when you were saying that about the episode with Charlotte, you know, I've always been, like, free sexually. And so when I would come up with other, around other women, and I think that's like you were saying, that whole shame thing, and I would think that people would think that I was weird was because I would be so free with it and they would look at me like, what? Like they're implementing their own shame on you. Exactly, exactly. So then I thought like, wait, I'm not supposed, and and because of like how my mother grew up, I mean, my mother, um, she was born in uh, the 1930s, like 1938, right? So come on, women, like they, they weren't like um, um, showing themselves or, and she was very repressed with her sexuality, like I had no idea. Like I can't, even, I can't even say the word sex around my mother. So <laughs> I did the exact opposite. <laughs> right. And um, I was taking nude pictures of uh, like my friends and stuff. Like when I was seventeen in high school, and I had to tell my father because then he found he saw some pictures and he was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "This is art. <laughs> this is art. <laughs> Don't get mad. This is art." So how do you? Uh, I said. So how do you? How do you deal with your own constraints, and how? And how does that translate to your sessions with women, like in your milk bath photos? Like how? Like how do you? How well, do you- once I'm free with myself, and I think that's that's the key. Like when I become free with myself and who I am as a woman, and being sensual, and I give them cues and I give them coaching and once again it's all about from the very beginning getting related to them and asking them you know like what do they want out of doing this boudoir or milk bath photo right that's the first question like what is it that you want and even if they say they don't know and I've approached some women and said to them oh I want to photograph you why why I think you're beautiful really sure like look at you look at your face look at your curves like you know, can we do this? And they are a little reluctant, but then they say, yeah. And then it's really about me giving up any notions about, you know, that that thing that women have about what's beautiful, what's perfect, or I'm not this or I'm not that. So once I give that up and I approach somebody or I, or I set up a photo shoot with them, 
people just naturally just let go of those defenses. And we just really yeah. have fun with it. Because I'm really yeah. about like being playful and being fun. So once I have people let their guard down, then they, they're able to play with me. And I, I think that's how I approach it. It was like, come on, let's just play. Like, this is just, we're just playing. Right. You know, I just, uh, you remind me of uh, this photographer that I was also, uh, did a course with um, online. Uh, her name is Leslie. I can't remember her last name, <laughs> but she was talking about like boudoir photos, and I was like, you know, dabbling in and maybe you know just seeing what what resonated with me when I was doing photography. And she was saying, you know, in this particular field, especially if you're a man, like you have to be, and especially if you're a straight man, you have to be very careful of not having any sexual <laughs> like yeah yeah like you can keep like words or anything like when you're going in there just like you're like turned off like you're it's about them not about you asking permission to touch uh, it's like literally and i've had a couple of friends who came over to my you know place and do photography and they even though they were very comfortable with me like you know um even just to get them to like pop a hip, you know, get an underwear. Oh like it was just, it was a real challenge. And I think <clears throat> my own uncomfortability, because I just want them to be comfortable. Um, it's, it could be con- a constraint on the set if you aren't comfortable with yourself right. or dealing with your own constraints about. Somebody yeah. being sexuality. Yeah. their sexuality, even though they were naked with me, um, just being in their underwear <clears throat> was a lot. Right. And that's that's the thing, because I it's interesting that you bring up men, because um, I was having a conversation about there's some, you know, male photographers that I know. And when I see them shooting what they call boudoir photos or sensual photos of women, it's a whole different um concept or view as opposed to when I do it and it's not to like you know there's no right or wrong it's like and and at one point I thought it was easier for men because it's like you know women love to hear men tell them how beautiful they are right so I kept saying well you know if I tell somebody a woman that they're beautiful like they're not gonna give a shit because I'm not a man so I had all of these you know misconceptions about what that was like and when I started noticing the difference of way men shoot and the way women shoot boudoir, I was like, wow, look at this. Like, yes, men have a whole nother thing that they have to deal with in order to make women comfortable. So I'm quite sure it might take a lot longer as opposed to me where I can get related with them faster because we are women and then just take it from there. So, and then I noticed the difference in, um, you know, the male quality of, boudoir as opposed to the female um way of shooting and it's so different and it's so different you mean as far as photographers yeah as far as photographers and what what difference do you notice i've yet to see and you know maybe i need to do more research um so for instance when i said what i saw when i was younger in my father's playboy magazines like that's the type of nude and boudoir photos I see from men, even to this day. There's a certain, like, Playboy-esque thing, like... Yes, very sexual, like, very sexual yes. feeling, yes. 
very sexual, like legs might be open or <laughs> certain poses, and there's nothing wrong with like it. Like the money shot photo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was just, there was this photographer on Facebook, and he did these, um, uh, I guess they were sexy pictures, and the woman's legs were open, and it just looked, it, it, to me, it did not look good. And I made a comment. And he got all over me because I said, I don't, I said, I don't understand what you're trying to show here. You know, is it a pussy shot? You know, <laughs> and he was like, you know, kind of like, how dare you? Because like technically the, the images were like lighting and everything were beautiful. But I kept looking at the woman. She looked very uncomfortable. She didn't look natural. Right. And so I, I said that and oh, my God, the comments that I got and I started looking at more men and how they were shooting. I was like, oh, I get it. I said, so for them, you know, like you said, that money shot might be what they see. And for women, it's more about like an art and sensual and being soft. So, you know, it's interesting. So I still, I'm still doing research in that because I want to look at more men and how they um, do their boudoir photography. Like, what do they see? Like, how are they wanting to capture this woman? Like, what is their... Um, you know, what is their end game to this shot? Like, what are you trying, what are you trying to create out of this? You know, I know what I'm trying to create. So, um, actually I might start asking some of my male photographer friends that question. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting now I'm thinking about, there's, um, one photographer, uh, he did a shot of a girl that we both know. <laughs> yeah. And there was a shot, and I was like, wow. <laughs> because I was just like, I, I don't know. Like, I just, you know, I guess maybe, and the only reason probably because I had to react is because I know the person, and I'm like, you know, this relationship with this person, to see them do this, and I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, and um, so it's just like, it's always interesting to tell, like, um, uh, the difference between men and I, I don't know. Like I, I don't like I. I find women photographers are great, and I find men photographers great as well. It's like yeah. I guess it depends. I don't know the conversation that was had between them and what they were capturing. So it's like our, it's you know the outside looking in on what they're right. trying to capture. Um, and so, I yeah. think for me, I think that's that's the thing that um, you know, as a photographer who's been doing this for a very long time. And I do appreciate, you know, newcomers. And I think one of the things that I would love for the new photographers who are coming out is just like, really, don't just like pick up the camera and just shoot, 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 and say, oh, this is great. I'm putting it on Instagram and putting it on Facebook and look at me. I'm doing great, 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 great. Just like really study like the art of it. Yeah, that was, that was like my next question. So what... What advice could you give some new photographers that to, to help them elevate their game and sort of separate themselves from like the, you know, fly by next day photographer? Right. Now, my friend, um, you know, we have a mutual friend, Mika Joseph, her son, um, his name is Kidder. He's a photographer. And I saw his Instagram um, the other day. And what he did, um, she said he has an eight by eight bedroom and all these photographs he took in his bedroom. And when I tell you that these are so exquisite with the art, with what he's capturing, like the voice that he's trying, because he's basically like, look, 
I'm not your everyday average Joe photographer. Like I'm out here creating something. So for the young photographers out there, I would say, you know, it's not about posting on Instagram to get a whole bunch of likes, right? It's not about, you know, the social media thing. It's like, you really want to learn the art of photography, the history of photography, and really like, why are you choosing photography? Mm -hmm. You know, I chose photography because, you know, at the end of the day, I want to create like a history. I want to create something where when people are looking back a hundred years from now, they're like, oh, Paven Carter took this photo. Yeah, like you want to make a staple, like a statement. What are you trying yeah. to, you want to say? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, once again, as long as we have these cell phones, like pretty much anybody can become right. a photographer. And I don't have a problem with that. You know, before I, I did have a problem with it. And I know a friend of mine, he's a um, great photographer, Ocean Morissette. And he would say, like, just like a painter or an artist is all about the tools that you use. Right. And it really is about your eye and what you're capturing. Yeah. So to use your eye, yes, use the tools that you have available, but really use your eye to really make a statement and really say something and have your work speak for itself. Yeah, that's pretty great. I mean, there's a, uh, I don't know his name, but he's a photographer. He, he He's a videographer and he shoots a lot of Beyonce stuff. And like, he literally has been making a statement by shooting these like slow motion things, mm. like from behind. And it's like, I just can't, I literally sometimes spend hours just watching this 30 second video of this like <laughs> slow motion. And it's also like the way he captures the, the dancers and the uh-huh. movement and the lighting of the lights, yeah. how it like all come together in a frame. Yes. And that, and like with no editing, and that's what like, um, what I wanted to say earlier, is like, you know, be the photographer who can capture all the lighting, the elements, the essence in a shot without filters, then you can really like make a statement. That's a professional photographer. Right. Who knows. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying anybody can add filters because that's one that's so funny because most of the, the images that I post, like I don't, I forget because I'm old school, I forget to use filters. You know, every once in a while I'll put a filter here and there to enhance the photo. But for the most part, I'm trying to get that shot in the camera. Yeah. Right? The whole thing with the lighting is like, yeah, everybody can take their iPhones, but when you don't have that, like what are you gonna do? <laughs> right. That if you don't if you don't have that. And so yeah, you have your professionals that know lighting. That no, if I show up at night and I miss the sunset, how am I still going to make these people look beautiful and gorgeous? Right. Great. So we're coming to the end. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and um, see what comes up for you. Okay. You're rate. Yeah. Yeah. So what does a life of love mean to you? What does what? A life of love mean to you. A life of love means to me, my family, my boys, my, I have three sons. Uh, my oldest is 38. My middle is 28. And the youngest is 26. My middle son is um, expecting a baby. So like, that's love for me. Just having my family around me, my friends who I adore. Mm. Um, and just like, just peace and fun and happiness like that that's what love is for me Mm. i love that and 
What is a piece of advice from a photographer or somebody you know or admire that has stuck with you that that just keeps inspiring you to create to be who you are as a photographer? There's two people that come to mind. My friend, um, Ocean Morissette, he created um, a photography group in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, the Fort Greene Photographers Club back in 2001. And I happened to be in Brooklyn and showed up at his doorstep. And we've been friends since then. And people who came into that group, um, uh, another friend is Geraldine, and another one is Gigi. Um, Gigi Romaine and when I say that these are phenomenal phenomenal photographers and for them it's all about the art it's not about making money and that's something else that we've always like kind of struggled with is like we want our art to speak for ourselves but then how do you make money out of this art right so they always inspire me like anytime I see them posting work um, Ocean lives in Peekskill right now and he has um, some amazing work on and he shoots with his iPhone and you would never know that most of his work is shot on the iPhone. Um, he does a lot of black and whites. He does um, photos on fathers with their sons. Mm-hmm. So series called Dad Duty. Mm. Um, Geraldine, she travels a lot. So she goes to like Peru and um, all of these um, South American countries and she photographs the people there and when you talk about emotions and like the spirit of these people who don't have what we have and what she captures is truly amazing mm. and the girl Gigi oh my god I love Gigi she's um, a Haitian photographer and um, she's doing this project called um, From Brooklyn to Benin so her photo project deals with um, the myth around Haitians and voodoo. So she's traveled all over Africa, you know, Haiti, all over the place, um, creating this story around voodoo. And she's doing a, um, a film around it too. And I think she got an award about around it. So these are my friends who I've known since 2001 and they always inspire me. They always support me and I love them dearly. Okay, and so, and how do you get out of your own way as a photographer? I call my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and say what? I do, because, you know, as an artist, <laughs> you know, artists got some shit with them. We, we're do. <laughs> like a mode of self-doubt. Like, I'm not good enough, or this isn't good enough, or we I got... In our heads, oof. So I call my friends who like will pump me up or say, cut that shit out. Like, you know, (laughs) that's the one I hear all the time. You're being crazy. Cut it out. And yeah, that's how I get out of my head. And it's it's gotten easier as I've gotten older. Okay, great. And what does a juicy love life look like to you? I saw on I don't know if it was Facebook but it was this this man and this woman doing this dance I think it was called uh yeah Facebook huh yeah Facebook yeah it was on Facebook it's K-O-M-O-A something like that and it was kind of like a tango but with a like a more sensual hip-hop feel to it Mm -hmm. so sexy and I say to myself the love of my life first of all he has to know how to dance 
Mm-hmm. I hear you. Not dance with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's the first thing. Dancing and kissing, like, those two have to go hand in hand. So when I think about Juicy Love, I think of someone who knows how to dance, who knows how to laugh, who knows how to have fun, um, and someone who just adores me. And I've, I've had you know, relationships like that in the past where I was just adored and I love being adored. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's just like, oof. Nothing else like it. Nothing else like it. <laughs> until it gets um, <clears throat> stalkish. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> until it gets what? I said, until it gets stalkish. And then... <laughs> <don't... laughs> so, and last but not least, where can people find you online? Okay, so people can find me online. My Facebook is Paven Carter um, and Paven Carter Photography on Facebook. And my Instagram is Paven Carter Photography. And my website is Paven Carter Photography. Yes, 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 yes. And, you know, um, once again, I'm always evolving. Um, Like my Instagram account, I'm getting ready to um, create something new because um, being that I'm shooting a lot of women lately, I'm going to just do a whole page on women and beauty and boudoir and sexual and sensual. And then also, um, I'm always doing, you know, new projects. So another thing that's important to me is men, right? Um, I grew up with two brothers. Um, so I'm, I was the middle girl. There was three of us. I was the middle. I had an older brother and a younger brother and I have three sons. So I've always been around men. I love male energy. And I do a project on men. Um, it's an ongoing project on to show men compassion. What's it called? Oh, the, the project is called Our Brothers Ourselves. And it's um, just honoring men. And out of that, I did a, um, an exhibition a couple of years ago. And I want to further it. So part of that project is now called the Red Hat Project. And that has to deal with um, black men and their well-being and health and mental health. So like women mm. dress, you know, project and, you know, they with heart disease. So I said, you know what, I want to create one with um, men. So it's called the Red Hat Project. And I take photographs of men wearing this red hat and they tell me their stories about, you know, mental health and their health and well-being because, you know, black men die much sooner than than black women and they don't take care of themselves and there's always they this down them yeah it's a struggle for them to really like take care of themselves so i want to bring attention awareness to that i, I would love to collaborate with you on that well you will <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for thank being you, on me? the show i'm so happy I did. You know, I was resisting it like, oh, my God. You know? I know, girl. I know you do well by now. <laughs> no, no, stop playing. Stop uh, playing. Stop you know playing. Want. Get out of your head, girl. Yes. Um, Thank you so much. To also, before we go, just acknowledge you for just creating art, you know, creating yeah. beauty and really giving one women um, the opportunity to be seen, to express the loves for themselves, to love themselves, to see themselves yes. in a way that they can love themselves and that they are beautiful and they are appreciated. And then, you know, they don't need permission. They just like, look at you, you're gorgeous. Right. 
you right. know, and um, and now learning about the Red Hat Project, like, you know, there is a real issue with black men. You know, my uncles, two of my uncles died of the same cancer at the same year, did not go to the oh. hospital, like yeah. just did not like to take care of themselves and even me i had my own fear as a black gay man when i first started to you know really explore myself yeah. sexually like was so afraid to go to the hospital go to get checked right. you know just like what is and that it, well you here know? it is there's a there's a history of you know the united states using black men as experiments right going to the doctor like the um the one where they were giving the black men syphilis so there's a real natural fear of doctors. I get it. And there has to be a place where you can be comfortable with a doctor. And we probably need more black men doctors or black doctors, period, because that that was the real thing. They were giving, injecting black men with syphilis. And, you know, who wants to go to the doctor after knowing that? And that wasn't that long ago. What, maybe 50 or 60 years ago? Mm. So that's where the underlying fear comes from. Um, And, you know, our men are dying off. Like if they're not incarcerated, then they're dying early, um, you know, due to diseases and stuff like that and not taking care of themselves. Yeah. It's a woman is like, look, we we need our men, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you again for being here. And I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Jimmy. I love you, boo. Love you, boo. Hey guys, so don't forget to subscribe on Instagram at Jimmy Allen and Twitter, simply Jimmy. And don't forget to rate, rate, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for joining me. This is Jimmy Allen with Crazy Juicy Love. <laughs>